In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Typically, it's just not going to show up on your door. The growth strategy is not going to show up on the door. Your growth is not going to show up at the door. you got to struggle, and, and it, it's a fight for it. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm your host for today's show. Hey, guys, I'm super excited about today's guest. Uh, This guy is retired now from being the president of a 400 employee strong company he serves on the men in the arena board of directors in the friend role and if you're interested in what that role actually looks like you can look at first kings chapter 4 verse 5 in the bible he's also one of our national team captains and he was a he is man he's also one of our national team captains and is a blog writer this summer and he's here today to talk about his blog on developing a personal growth strategy which i'm passionate about i'm excited to have this guy on today guys thank you again for making men in the arena podcast spotify's number one podcast for christian men so guys i want to talk to you about jeff dick our guest for today jeff retired in february of 2021 from 35 years in the steel industry with the last 16 years being the president of cascade steel Roland mills where he oversaw 400 employees jeff received his bs and ms in metallurgical engineering from the colorado school of mines jeff is currently serving as an elder in his church man arena on the board of directors and is one of our national team captains as i mentioned earlier jeff has been married to his fabulous bride julie for the last 34 years and is a proud father of three adult children hey jeff welcome to the show man yeah welcome glad to be on board i'm excited to have you uh like i said I, we've both read uh some similar books on this topic and i think this is a huge topic for guys. Uh, I, I just had a counseling appointment with a, a, a couple yesterday who's really, really struggling in their marriage. And it came down to neither of them has a growth strategy. Neither of them is willing to grow themselves and it's really hurting the relationship. So this is really an important, a vital topic for us to talk about today. But before we get on to the topic, why don't you take a few minutes and tell us about yourself, uh, personal life, things you enjoy, that type of stuff. So, yeah. So, no, I, I enjoy a lot. Being outdoors, that's where I would like to be all the time. But uh, I enjoy hiking and biking with my wife. Um, we do that occasionally when the weather's okay here in, in Oregon. And uh, I, I really like working the timber on my property, you know, really working with my hands. I, I like woodworking. 
I like rebuilding cars. You know, I'm a kind of a task oriented person, but uh, that's something I just like to do. I like to build and fix things. So that's pretty that's much awesome. it. And you build and fix men as well. So you don't <laughs> want to leave that one out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to jump into your blog if that's all right. Uh, on a developing a pro- personal growth strategy. And you start off your first sentence is very simple question. Do you have a personal growth strategy? So let's just get to brass tacks here. What is a personal growth strategy and why is it so important for a man to have one as he seeks to become his best version? So that's a good question. So well, let me kind of go from from this frame. Um, you know, companies typically have a vision and a mission you know, a statement. And of course they have values associated with that, that drive them and really drive companies to excellence. So there, those values may be operational efficiency, safety, you know, uh, customer service, et cetera. But, you know, but a company without a growth strategy, you know, typically won't last very long. So typically the doors, if they don't have a growth strategy and they're not changing and reaching into their own potential, um, they will typically fail. On our personal growth strategies, you know, we're more um, kind of situational strategists. Typically, we're driven, you know, either by our work, our boss wants to see improvements, you know, you know, our marriage needs to be improved type of things, or our coach is driving us to do, you know, better excellence. So, you know, typically that, you know, we don't really necessarily take control of our strategy. And so we really need to own it, you know, because what happens when, Typically, you know, you no longer have that driving force that drives that strategy uh, or that coach or that boss, you know, or you're just stuck in a, you know, monotonous day to day rut. You know what happens? You know, we never reach our our full our full potential. So it's something that we really got to drive ourselves and be intentional about. And that is really putting some effort to, you know, what, where do we want to grow in our lives? Where do we want to grow in our lives? And it's multifaceted, much like a company's, you know, grow a strategy. So you have multiple facets that you want to maybe strengthen, but if you're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen. Okay. So I picked up two things from that, Jeff, and I want to ask you about them. So you equate a personal growth strategy in one's life with a organization's vision. So would you say that a personal growth strategy is equal to a, let's say, a vision or statement in a person's life? Yeah, I, I, I kind of do. I guess that's where my background comes from. I look at a purpose, right? You know, a vision. You know, Ken Blanchard talks about purpose-driven, you know, purpose-driven, you know, visions and stuff. And so you look at that and you say, okay, so what's, where, where's my purpose? What am I doing? What do I want to grow in? I mean, I've, I, you know, I've. I've developed kind of one, I, you know, I didn't really get much from help from places. So I kind of put my own together on a spreadsheet, you know, and tried to say, okay, where do I want to really grow at? You know, um, if you're not intentional at things, it's just not going to happen. You know, okay. So I have a 41, I think it's 41 word vision statement. I've had it since I was 32 years old and here it is to glorify God with my spiritual shape, letting him mold me through humility into his image loving my family with honor, living each day with courageous abandon, leading others with grace and leaving a legacy through writing, speaking and change lives. So it has, you can see there's, there's levels, there's various levels to that. Uh, there, uh, I have them prioritized from God to family to leaving a legacy. And that is how I build my goals every year. Would you say that vision statement is uh, the same as a uh, 
a strategy for personal growth? I would say, yeah, I would say what's, what's drives your strategy. Those components in there is what you follow off of yeah. that, that drives your strategy. So, yeah, so those are, that's basically a personal growth strategy. You've got different areas that you really want to focus on, um, it, even though it was kind of a long vision statement. <laughs> well, it's a working, it's, <laughs> a it's a working vision statement. It, it's not one that I have to have the guys on the floor memorize. It's exactly, it's a mission statement that drives that. So, yeah, no, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah it may that. be more missional, Mike, because the only person that has to know that strategy is me, and yeah. I don't articulate that to anyone else. I just try to live it out. And so you said something else earlier on that I thought was interesting. You talked about uh, being a guy who is uh, solving problems. So you have a coach who's addressing your problems. You have a boss who's saying you need to work in this area. Maybe you have a spouse who's saying, hey, you need to fix this. <clears throat> so that's a very problem-driven Versus you talked about being proactive with vision. Would you say that people who are have a personal growth strategy are more proactive in how they live their life versus those who don't, who are more reactive to a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a spouse? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If you're intentional about what you're doing, you're going to take a, a different approach than, it, than being, I call it situational, where you're pushed into it. Definitely. You know, that really makes sense. I've heard a lot about personal growth strategy over the years, but I've actually never had a guy articulate what that looks like. So this is really good for me. I, I you know, I've, I've been telling people this for years, but never actually have defined a personal growth strategy. It sounds like it all starts with getting a pen and paper and prayer and, and saying, Hey God, who am I? And why am I here? And writing that mm -hmm. down on paper in a, in a few simple sentences. Yep. Or even one sentence. I, I agree. I, 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 I'm a spreadsheet lover, so I love Excel. So I wrote down, you know, I started off with, you know, kind of looking at what my passions are, what I really like to do, you know, what, what, you know, what strikes my arc, you know, what, you know, what are those things that I really want? And what are those things I need to grow in? You know, what, what, where do I lack and who's not, where am I not being driven? So I, I also use different venues to help push me as well. You know, you're almost sort of, a forced intentionality to, to grow, you know, being on the, an elder on the board, you know, on the church board, it pushes me, you know, so it stretches me. It pushes me with, you know, and those guys out that are on the board members that are on that team, you know, they're all good. They push me. So those are, those are intentional drivers that help me, you know, be better in those areas, better in church leadership. So give us, give us an example from your life of uh, your personal growth strategy? Do you have, what's your vision or what's your strategy? What do you have written on paper that moves you forward? I got, a, I got my spreadsheet up. So, so there's a lot of different passions that I have. Um, and I think, you know, outside of just, you know, physical and spiritual, you know, one of them is um, really is to make, you know, it's both my wife and mine, just to make better memories and memories with my kids. You know, sometimes when you do, you know, work gets tied up and you spend a lot of time with work. Sometimes, you know, you, you didn't do all that you wanted to do as when your ch children were young. So I have adult children now. And so we're still trying to make memories with our kids. And that's doing things sometimes that, you know, they ask and you just say, oh, do I really want to do that? But yeah, hey, mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. is a, this is a memory. This yeah. is a memory I want to do. And I want to push that memory. And that's that goes to legacy, Jim. I think even in your your vision statement or your mission statement. That's, you know, a legacy is, you know, you know, spending time with your kids. 
Well, legacies are formed with memories. I mean, we just got back from an axis deer hunt with my youngest son and my dad and just to watch that play out was awesome. And for father's day, I'm preaching at a church and then taking the family. We're going to go shooting trap, just doing something together, you know? And so, so do you have your personal strategy? I know you like Excel, but do you have a personal strategy written down? Is yours written down or is it memorized? No, it's written down. No, it's, I, it's still a working model. You know, I've got stuff on that. I've put on there on a spreadsheet and, you know, where I want to be better at, you know, and then kind of looking at, you know, I also look at what are, what are the motives there? Are there any hidden agendas behind those? You know, is it just personal or, you know, where am I, you know, big thing for me is, is, you know, is, is where I spend my time, you know, and, you know, you, you develop good habits. You know, one of the, I think one of the pieces in here is talking about habits, but, you know, if I look at what's creating value in my life, I can go back to and saying, where, you know, what am I doing to sit in front of TV? You know, is that, what value is that bringing mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. my strategy or to my life really? And is that a good strategy or, you know, where's my, you know, where am I losing time? You know, where am I not driving into that, that potential? Yeah, that's something I've learned recently is that in the ancient times they had uh, during battle, they had men called strategos and strategos. Their job was to win the war. It would be what we would call a general today. So the strategos wins the war, but he develops tactics to win the battles. And so what you're saying is you've got a you've got a strategy to win the war of your life. So for me, it's a it's a written vision statement. That hasn't changed since I was 32 years old. So that written vision statement has changed very, very little because it represents the strategy of my life. And then I, I build these components of growth into my life to achieve the ultimate win, which is winning in life. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because, you know, you, you, when you build that strategy, you can kind of look at what, where you're spending your time. Yeah. Does, does, oh, it really, does it really bring you value? Is it bringing value to my personal growth strategy? No, that's really good, man. That is really, really good. So you, you and part of this, you've learned uh, from the loss of somebody you loved a lot who didn't know what to do with their purpose once they were done with um, their career and their ministry. Can you walk us through that that moment? Yeah. So this is, yeah. So I've seen this in other people too at work, but I saw it with my dad as well. My dad was a career officer in the military, but then also he, he did, he was a, uh, an organist for his entire life. And at, at you know, he, he was being retired kind of at age 76 and really didn't want to be, you know, I mean, he used to drive into me, you know, there is no retirement's not biblical is what he used to always say and tell, tell us, tell us kids. And, so he really didn't want to retire, but, you know, he, he was retired. They wanted to kind of retire him. I think he was, you know, physically he was, you know, struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, so when he retired, six, six, six months later, he passed away. And I just saw that because I, when I looked at that, and I mean, there are other, uh, you know, circumstances there, but he, he just lost his purpose. His purpose mm-hmm. was that ministry. His purpose was that, you know, music ministry that he provided and then really didn't have much to change or that his strategy didn't change. He could, he could have probably taken on maybe another, 
different ministry, you know, closer to home, a smaller church, et cetera, or do some other things. But that passion, he lost that passion and that purpose. And so I saw that. And I see that with men, you know, that have retired from work and, and they have, you know, very little hobbies, nothing that drives them. And, you know, I find out a couple of years later, they passed away. You know, um, I think, so I think there's a tie there with physical, you know, and your purpose, you know, a lot. You know, what's really interesting, Jeff, and you and I have talked about this offline many times. One of the major differences I see between Christian men and non-Christian men, this is, I mean, this is a massive difference. And I've seen this in my own personal life. The Christian men who retire continue to be actively engaged in ministry and serving uh, in fulfilling their life purpose in walking in obedience to Jesus. The non-Christian guys get through their work career and coast with hobbies. And, and you can only do that so long before you fade to fade to black. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's nothing there except for yourself. And I've seen that really hurt men and they, they uh, either die younger or sooner or they diminish in their health and fade away because there's nothing driving them to be better men. Have you seen something like this as well? Yeah, that's exactly what I've seen. And guys that have retired from work, you know, 60 plus or whatever years, and they work 40 years in the steel industry. And, you know, some of them don't have a whole lot of hobbies that they even drive. And so I see that physically, they, they just drop out. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a sad situation. It really well, is. It's tragic and you see it happening and it's like you see this uh, Shakespearean tragedy in the making and you shout and scream, but, but you can't stop it. So that's kind of why I go back to using a company as a kind of an analogy, you know, companies that don't grow, that don't keep finding that potential mm-hmm. to, to move, they fail. Eventually they fail. They close absolutely. the doors. They close I the mean, doors. absolutely. I, that's that. I mean, our, our ministry and, you know, as one of our board members is, is we're always looking to to find the next hill to die on, to build the next strategy. In fact, we're in the middle of a major strategy uh, revival right now. And so uh, but that's a whole different story. So in your blog, you said this, you said, you must fight for good habits. Many people, once they have completed their education are done, but this is a myth. You must take complete ownership of your growth process. Who else is going to do it for you? So that's the end of quote. So what do you mean, there, Jeff, by, quote, learn the habit of fighting? I think, you know, you've got to be intentional about what you want to do. Typically, it's just not going to show up on your door. The growth strategy is not going to show up at the door. Your growth is not going to show up at the door. you got to struggle, and, and it, it's a fight for it. You, the myth about motivation, it's really funny. It's a funny one. And I, I'll start working out when I get motivated or when I get motivated. And, and you, you read so much things that motiva- motivation is a myth, really. And so you, I like the Nike, just do it, you know, and, and, and I think Bob Goff uses it in Dream Big, his book, Dream Big, just do it. You just got to start that habit. You got to be fighting for that habit. You just got to be intentional about it. You know, another good book, I, and you, you know, the guy person is Jeff Voth. We, you know, listened to one of his um discussions but also um, read his book and you know you got to show up the hardest part in anything to start is to be intentional and showing up and that's the biggest fight for me is and how to get when you do the habits when you're creating those habits that really bring value that are taking value to your strategy you got to fight for them well you know that's so true motivate you know i've i've always thought i want to be motivated i need to be inspired you know maxwell once said john maxwell once said 
Winners do it first and feel good about it later. Whiners want to feel good before they do it. And I thought that was really interesting. I did not want to get on the Peloton yesterday, get screamed at by some 28 year old, you know, gal, but I did it anyway, you know, and, but once I sat on that bike, everything was good. Once I got into the gym, everything was good. Once I got my boots laced up and got on the trail, everything was good. And this is what I'm learning as well is that you don't worry about being motivated. Just show up, yep. just show up. And that's half the battle, but you know, it's really funny. I heard a guy, Gary Thomas once wrote, uh, the, the greatest sign of discipleship is your struggle against sin. And I, I, it sounds like you would say the greatest sign that you have a growth strategy is your fight to form new habits. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, so in, yeah. in your blog, which I thought was excellent, by the way, you talk about traps to avoid as you build a personal growth strategy. Can you, uh, Kind of unfold some of those traps that you've seen in your own life? I think we talked about one just now, right? Yeah. Just trying think, to be motivated. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a little bit about it is you, you've got to be intentional about writing it down. I mean, when I look at it, who, no one's going to give it to you. Um, in my mm. case, you know, when you retire or even, even when you're not retired, I mean, you know, you've got to be a t- intentional. If, if you're not going to sit down and think about it, um, you know, it's not going to happen. It just won't happen. You've got to, you've got to come and come prepared. Um, again, that, that uh, motivation piece is, is, is a big component for, for falling into a trap. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I'm writing stuff down right now because for me, uh, Jeff, you're more, I think you would agree with me. You're more cognitively based. You're a very thought process guy. I'm more emotive. I tend to be more feeling based. And so knowing that I'm feeling based and knowing that we live in an intellectual world that's getting more and more intellectual uh, with all this uh, technology nowadays, being physically strong has very little to do with success like it did 100 years ago. So I've had to build my intellectual mind. So I've realized my emotive, my feeling based, um, my inspirational based mindset is going to hurt me in this modern world. So I started reading books and trying to learn and trying to offset. So one of the cop-outs, one of the traps I see is, well, it's just my, it's just the way I, it's just my personality. It's just my temperament. Mm-hmm. I'm that way because of my temperament. And I think that can be a trap for some people. Yeah, definitely. So it's that, that goes to change too. I don't want to change it. This is just who I am. I can't change. I hear that all the time. You know, I can't change. It's not my job, you know, or, or whatever. And, and that's, and that's so false because I mean, you may not be the best at something, but you can definitely improve on everything. Um, if you have a mindset set and you, you focus, but you have to have something to focus on written down or, or looked at to, to even drive you. If not, you're going to be wandering around aimlessly, basically. And when the time comes, you know, and you've got no one else who's driving you, as in my case, you know, in terms of, you know, being retired, um, you know, what happens? Do I sit in a rut? I forget the quote, something like, you know, what's the difference between a, you know, a, a rut and a grave? And it's just the depth and how long you're going to stay in it, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting, uh, an analogy, but it's true. I mean, we get stuck in ruts and, and that's where poor values and habits get developed. Well, and even as we're doing this interview right now, as this interview goes live, 
I'm uh, in the, I'll be in the middle of like a, a mini sabbatical because I've realized I have not managed my life. Well, I've allowed too much into my life with starting a new uh, local service for men with being a chaplain of a university football team and, you know, going into a live world versus virtual. I have not made, I have not done well there. And so now I've got to go recover from that. And so I'm learning. And so one of the things I see also another trap I see guys fall into Talk to us about the trap of I'm too old to change. Oh, good question. Yeah, good question. So um, it's true. I mean, we we can. I don't think you're ever too old to change, Jim. That's a hard one, but you know, we learn. We we look at things differently. We can add our different perspectives, but uh, I don't think you're too ever to change. You know, those are just habit. Those are habits created that are poor, typically, and it just takes time to break them sometimes. So it just takes a little bit longer to create a, a better habit. Yeah, you know, we get the older we get. Absolutely. Well, here's another one. I, I, I know you're thinking about traps. So I'm thinking about them too. So here's another trap I've seen guys fall into. Well, I'm an extrovert. I just talk before I think. Or I'm an introvert. I just don't like being around people. And I think both of those mindsets are cop-outs because I think the extrovert should learn how to listen. They can develop that skill. The extrovert can learn how to go deep with some relationships. The introvert can learn to love people. The introvert can learn to, to uh, interact socially uh, in a way that would not put people off. So I think a lot, we will, we lean into our natural bent and we use that sometimes as a trap that hinders us from becoming a better person. So I'm just thinking of traps here. What about the trap of it's just a part of my family genetics or it's a part of my family's ethnic background. And that's just the way we are. How do, how do you see that as a trap? Uh, I think that can get down to, to where you're focused on the bias, you know, I'm just certain, certain ways that you focus your mind and not expanding them. So the just direction and maybe a different direction where if you open your mind up a little bit, you might see something different. Yeah. And I think also sometimes you can get in this victim mentality, you know, my family, we all look this way or we all do it this way, or, or, uh, I'm a victim because of this background, this history I have. And I think we get locked into that trap and that hinders us from personal growth. Right. Well, how about the, what about the trap of past failures? Oh yeah. Well, you know, you know what James says that you, 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 Growth it is through failures. So I mean, yeah. really, I mean, if you look at it, you know, muscles, muscle strength. You know this better, Jim. Is what you got to break down the muscles in order to build, right? So things have to be built, to, you know, almost broken before they can be built. So, well, and we have a lot of guys listening to this podcast that have gone through at least one divorce. Uh, maybe they've got kids that they're estranged from. Uh, maybe they've had sin that has ruined their career, and, and the tendency is to just kind of sit in that rut. And what we're saying is, hey, you know, God turns your mess into your message. He turns your tragedies into his triumphs, you know. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times guys will, well, you know, they'll not only, you know, be slowed down or hindered because of their past, but a lot of guys are hindered because of their future or their present successes. Hey, man, I'm successful. I had a great career. I had a great run and um, I don't need to grow anymore. I'm, I'm good to go. Look at me compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, no, we, we can, I think a trap that you said is we fall into a drama triangle, you know, you know, if you've ever heard of that, you know, you 
learn that in management training. You either become the rescuer or you either become the victim or you mm. become the persecutor. So you end up falling in that drama triangle and it's kind of, that's where the rut comes from. Woe is me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, you know, feeling, feeling all sad about myself and you've got to bounce out of that. What can I do to help? What can I do to get out? You just got to. Yeah, that's that's so. good, man. Well, I'm going to read a quote uh, from your blog and you said, quote, part of the fivefold definition of manhood Jim Ramos writes about in his book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, is fighting apathy. Then you continued, goals are good, but sometimes if you focus on goals, you may hit goals, but that doesn't guarantee growth. Can you talk about what that means? You continue and you say, if you focus on growth, you will grow and always hit goals. So what's the difference between focusing on the goal and focusing on growth? So so a little bit of it is a strategy. So what direction? I mean, if, if I want to do health strategy, you know, and I, I focus only and I, I give myself bicep curls only and I focus on a number of goals, you know, I don't really get my health up to speed. I get big arms, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so one, one thing. So I'm looking at it from a, you know, a, a goal strategy has to have some type of uh, a strategy to associate it with it that goes back, you know, goes back to some type of vision, like your vision statement, you know, those strategies, because you can hit those goals. I can hit any goal I want typically, mm-hmm. but is it, is it the right goal? Is it, is it where I want to go? Is it taking me in the right direction? Well, I'm doing this 65,000 push-up challenge with hundreds of other guys. Right. And so, yeah, I'm getting big arms and I can rip out the push-ups like nothing, but I don't, I realize that push-ups will not make me a healthy man. Right. And so I don't, I don't, my push-ups are not my workout. That's something I do extra. I work out four to five times a week because my goal of health supersedes push-ups. And if I just do push-ups and say that's going to achieve the goal, I'll hit the goal of push-ups, but not the strategy of health. Yeah, that's that's so, you know, so part of my one of, you know, I, I mentioned one of our personal strategies if my wife and I is to make, make memories. Well, a lot of our memories are hiking and biking and staying, you know, some type of physical fit. So every mm-hmm. mo- every morning we work out, you know, try to, you know, at least try to get some type of workout, whether, and it's cardio, it's stretching, you know, it's light reps, you know, do a lot of core stuff just so I can be able to do those other, you know, other strategies that I have on my personal side. So give us, give us one thing you're really working on right now, besides building memories, give us one personal thing for you that you're working on as part of your growth plan. Yeah. So this one's a little tougher, you know, cause you know, as, as an elder, you know, what's required of an elder is what teaching, right? There's, you know, peace, you know, in, and not all of us are there as a front of the pulpit teacher, but I do want to be able to teach more. You know, I like small groups, small things. And so something that I've worked on continually is we're trying to improve on is being a, a better small groups leader, you know, where I can dig a little deeper. It, it pushes me into the Bible a little bit more, push the questions that I get from it, you know, uh, you know, help me spur me on a little bit. So that's one thing I'm trying to improve, even on my own spiritual side is that how can I be a better teacher in that way? Well, that leads right into my next question. So you're leading uh, one of our national teams and you've just started that a couple, I don't know, maybe a month ago. So as the, well, and that, and now as, let me rephrase that question. So that leads into our next question. So you're uh, a national team captain. You lead a team with two other men 
and that team is stopped for the summertime, but that's going to start up in the fall again. Tell us a little bit about that team and when do you guys meet? So, yeah, so no, that's, it's exciting. Um, so I've sat on a couple of these already and I, I sit on one on Thursday nights, um, but they're, they're myself and two other gentlemen co-captain this, the, the, um, the one men in the arena national team. And it's, it's on Monday nights at seven Pacific time. Uh, it's really neat to watch. We get new people almost every week. We've got a couple new guys this past week. So, you know, some guys can make it every time some guys can't. So it's, uh, and, and it's okay to come in at, you know, partially through one of the books because you can step, you can step right in and each, each, almost each lesson, there are some lessons that grow on each other, but that you can go back and, and see those lessons as well. But so it's good. I, uh, it really builds character, men's character. A lot of good questions come up. I think one of the biggest things that we've learned from are the stories of each of the men that come through. We learn their, yeah. growth. and part of that's growth. You know, that's where you see the growth. You learn how men grow through some other stories. So Jeff, so the guys can sign up for your team. They just have to go to the website, menandarena.org. And on the homepage, we have a button that says, join our program. If they click that button, that brings them into a, where they can go and sign up for a team based on time zone, based on uh, team captains. So if they go, Hey, I really like this Jeff Dick guy. I want to be on his team. They can sign up at your team. And then, and then that gets the ball rolling. And we'll, uh, we're, we're again, guys, we are closed for summer. And then we will open up again uh, sometime in the fall and you can be a part of that all day long. And so that's a, that's a really cool thing. So what would you say to a guy, Jeff, who's listening to this podcast? I mean, from a board member's perspective, how important is it for a man to be in some kind of group? Oh, I think, you know, I think there's a lot to transparency and visibility. I think if you are in a group, uh, you're not growing. Yeah. Personally, you're not growing. I think because we spur, you know, spur spur each other on. Iron sharpens iron. You know, a lot of different, you know, parts of verses we can take from that. But men, you know, look at David and Jonathan. You know, where you grow the most is when you're with, you know, other men. You know, fighting the same fights uh, and asking the the same, you know, same questions and and having the same battles. So it's a good it's a good thing. It's 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 tough for men to do that. Uh, just, you know, cause we're kind of, there's a lot of pride there. We do things on our own. We can, we don't need anybody's help, you know, type of mentality, but you know, in truth, dig down deep. Yeah, we do. It's, it's well, not that easy. And you know, it's interesting. We had a video that we did on marriage that last month had a million people watch it. You know, we have, we'll probably have at the time of this 30,000 followers on TikTok and 20 plus thousand followers on Instagram and 12,000 followers in our forum and a number one podcast for Christian men on Spotify. But all of what we do is driving men to one thing, get in a community with other men, start a live local group in your church, be join a national team virtually with men in the arena, apply for a uh, apply to become one of our national team captains. We're always looking for guys to do that. Be a, be a leader in our ministry, but that is everything that we do is driving guys to that end because we realize that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And that man, when he gets in a small group, he gets it. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I just think that's so important. So, Hey Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to come on, share your wisdom and experience with our men in the arena and for being a man in the arena yourself. And guys, we're going to get our boots on the ground again. 
go our boots on the ground is to go to our website, click the join our program now button and join one of these small groups. We want to get you involved, bring a small group strategy into your personal growth development. Make sure you guys head on over to that website when you're there and grab a copy of my book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughter until next time. Feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.